0: So we are going to start just a little three-week series entitled this, ROI. And if you have any sort of business acumen, uh, which I would not say I have a ton, but we would know that ROI stands for return on investment. And whenever we go into like a series like this, especially if you want to call it a stewardship series, automatically our mind goes to, okay, Johnny's going to talk about money for three weeks. And I'll see you in the fourth week. Uh, So your mind may go there, but what I really want us to think about is that when we think about that term return on investment, really what we're looking at and what we're going after is something that I hope you desire as I desire for my life. That I want to give my life in such a way that I have the privilege one day to see a return on the investment of my life. You may think of the word steward when I say that. In fact, the New Testament uses that word eight times. That word steward to get across how we are to live our life, that we are to invest all of our resources, not just our treasure, our money, but our time and our talents and everything about our life, that we are to invest those things, not ultimately for ourselves, Before the kingdom of God and what has eternal value. Now, this isn't the main passage that we're going to look at this morning, but I do want you to turn in your Bibles, first of all, to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15. Because I think if there's a passage that really gets at what we are striving for and living for as we live on mission for the Lord, for His honor and His glory according to His will... That in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul gives us a snapshot of this idea of return on investment. And so I just want to use this passage to really set up this series that we are going to look at starting this morning. And look at what it says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, is Jesus Christ is our foundation. He's our foundation for our salvation. He's foundation for our sanctification and us growing in our relationship with the Lord and becoming more and more like him. He's our foundation for everything in our life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. He's our foundation. Then look what it says in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, so that's our foundation, so how are we going to take our lives and live them based on that foundation? How are we going to build our lives based on that foundation? And he says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if, that, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. So what is Paul alluding to? We don't know exactly what this looks like, but what Paul is alluding to is one day we will give an account to the Lord for how we use our time, how we use our talents, how we use our treasure, how we use every opportunity that comes in our path, that we will give an account one day for all of those things. And if they are built upon the foundation of Christ for his glory, for his kingdom then they will last. But if they are for ourselves, and we're looking at the things and the resources and everything that God has given us, and we are living and using those things for ourselves, they will burn up. It's not that we'll lose our salvation, but it will reveal that we wasted what God has given us. There won't be the return on investment that we are striving for. So here's the title of the message this morning as we set up really what we all desire, right? We all desire, as I said, a return on investment. Here's the title of the message this morning. Time is an investment. We're going to talk this morning about time. Because making a sound investment for the maximum return on your investment takes, you know what it takes? It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to be wise, to know where do I need to invest, where do I need to not invest. Think about it. Some of you probably would look and say, you know, I can look back to some times in my life where I said yes to some investments and I was able to see a return. Like I was able to see that actually produce a good return. There's probably more of us in this room like this where we can look at times in our life and we're like, man, I can think of a lot of times where I thought it was a good investment and man, I really regretted it. We're in a safe room, right? How many of you are like that? Raise your hand. My hand is raised. Both hands are raised for me. You know, I was thinking about this. What was a, I was trying to think about the, a bad investment that, that we made in our family. And I think back to when Lori and I were first married. See, Uh, Many of you know this. I grew up in a house full of six boys. And so I learned to drive in a Ford Econoline van, conversion van. Just think about that. Like that's not something you ever want to pull up to anyone's house on to pick up their daughter for a date. But that was the only car we had. And so I learned how to drive in that massive thing. And so I never had a car growing up. And and went into college, didn't have a car, and that's okay. Don't feel sorry for me in that. But Lori and I first got married, and, and her dad graciously gave us a car. And that car was a 1986 Volvo 740 GLE. You're like, oh, you got a Volvo. Wait a minute. No. Did you hear me? 1986. And we're not that old, so that was not new. And so we drove that car around, and I remember, man, I wanted, I wanted a new car so bad. And so I remember we went, and I was like, man, I so want a Toyota 4Runner. And so we went to the dealership there in Pensacola, Florida, and we went, and, and uh, we looked at the Toyota 4Runner, and I just didn't want a basic Toyota 4Runner. I wanted a Toyota 4Runner with the running boards, with the fender flares, with the wood grain interior, and the leather, and the sunroof, I mean... Like, I just didn't want to go base level. Let's go all the way. And so I knew so little about that type of stuff. And so we went in, and we looked at that, and we started to apply, and we sat down with the guy, and here's a little thing that I found out. Like, when you don't have any debt, God, thank you, no school loans or anything. Lori didn't have any of that. You, like, have no credit. And I didn't realize I was getting penalized for not having any bills. But they were like, you know what? Even though you're college grads, you can afford a $500 a month payment. But the problem was is we could not buy the car that I wanted so we leased the car that I wanted at, just imagine, remember I said we could afford 500, at a $500 lease payment for four years. That was the worst investment I could have possibly made. Because what I found out is at the end of those four years I paid so little of what that car was worth. So I can look back at my life and say, you know what, back in 1999, that was a very poor investment. Not much return. Got to drive it off to the Toyota dealership, leave it, and think, I spent all that money. Some of you are doing the math right now in your head. Yes, I get it. I know. (laughs) Just walked out. Poor investment. So I believe when we think about this return on investment that we need to start with time when we're thinking about ROI. And so turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, is the passage of Scripture that we are going to look at this morning. Like, how do we strive to have wisdom for sound investments? Not so much with our stocks and our options, but with our lives. How do we strive to have wisdom in those types of investment for God's kingdom, for God's glory, according to God's will. It starts with our time and how we're viewing and using our time as an investment for the Lord. Let's start in verses 15 through 17. Look at what Paul says. He says, look carefully. Here's what that means. With great care, not flippantly, not haphazardly. But to look carefully with great care then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Now that phrase, best use of the time, is an interesting phrase. It literally has the idea of viewing your time as currency. So if I'm viewing my time as currency... Then I'm, just like I would my actual currency, I'm looking at it and saying, how am I using it and not using it? How am I saying yes to this and no to this? And so when Paul says making the best use of the time, what he's saying here is you need to view your time as something to invest. And then look what he says, because the days are evil. I don't think any of us need to be reminded of that, Right? And then he says in verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's the idea that I want you to get this morning from this passage of scripture. It's this, I am walking wisely. Isn't that what he says? Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I'm walking wisely when I'm viewing my time as an investment to be made for God's will and God's glory. And isn't that verses 15 through 17? Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Therefore, 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You've heard me say this over and over again, but I'm going to say it again because I can never say it enough. God's word is what? God's will. Say that with me. God's word is God's will. So when verse 17 says, but understand what the will of the Lord is, Paul is literally going to flesh out in this passage of scripture how we understand what that is, specifically in some key areas. Think about it this, God's word is revealed to us. I just thought about some passage of scripture where God's word is revealed. From God's word. Just listen to these. God's word is revealed to us. That people should be saved. That's in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. That's God's will. He wants people to be saved. He wants us to share our faith with others. How about this? God's will is for us to be spirit-filled. We're going to talk about that here in a second in verse 18. God's will is for us to be sanctified to growing in our relationship with the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. God's will is for us to be submissive. That's 1, Timothy, or 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 15. This one we don't like, but God's will oftentimes is for us to suffer for his sake. Don't often think about that, but 1 Peter two twenty tells us that, that this is part of God's will and what we will learn through it. In 1 Thessalonians five 18, we're going to talk about this as well. God's will is for us to be thankful. See, over and over again, you will find this phrase, this is the will of God, and when you see that, your mind should perk up, your eyes should perk up, and say to yourself, okay, if God's word is God's will, God's will is mean being obedient to what he says, and this passage is going to spell out what God's will is and how I should use my time personally. See, I think oftentimes when we think of stewardship, we think of it horizontally, Right? Like, what can I do outside of myself? But before we can ever have discernment and walk as wise and not as unwise in how we use our resources outside of ourselves, we need to start first in saying, how is my vertical relationship with the Lord first, personally? Because if it's off personally, I am not going to be wise in how I invest my time, talents, and treasures outside of myself. And so what we're going to look at this morning is how we take advantage of the investment opportunities with the Lord personally. Because if I don't start there, I'm not going to have wisdom on how to invest those things outside of myself. So here's what I want to do in the time we have left. I want to give you four questions to ask yourself to determine whether you're investing your time wisely for God's will and glory. Four questions. That I want us to ask ourselves this morning. I encourage you to write these questions down. Here's the first one. But I'm going to read the verse that it comes from first. Look at what it says in verse 18. Because remember, what does verse 17 say? That you may understand what the will of the Lord is. Alright, if I'm reading that, my eyes are perking. I'm, my, my, my mind is perking up. My eyes are focused. Alright, what is, what, is, what is Paul about to tell me? What is the Lord about to tell me through Paul? And now we come to verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Here's the first question I need to ask myself to determine whether I'm investing my time wisely for God's will and God's glory. Number one, am I investing the time to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I doing that? Now can we just get the obvious out of the way? Like, Hopefully, I don't need to tell anybody this, but let's just just get the obvious out of the way because we see clearly what Paul's saying in verse 18, right? The obvious play here is getting drunk with alcohol, not the Lord's will for you. Can we all agree with that? Nod your heads. Yeah. Nod your heads. (laughs) Like, let's be clear. Like the obvious play here is that, right? So why does Paul use that illustration? Like you didn't need to walk into church today and say, man, I really struggled to believe whether God's will for me tonight was not to get plastered. Like nobody thought that coming into this room. So why in the world does Paul use this analogy? Why does he use this contrasting statement? Don't do this, but do this. Well, here's what we first need to understand. Paul is not speaking in this verse about being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. See, there's a difference, and we're gonna touch on that. See, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, what that means is I realize that I'm a sinner, that I can do nothing to save myself. Isaiah 64, six, that all my righteous deeds are like filthy rags before a holy God, that God is holy, that I am not, and that Jesus Christ came, God in the flesh, to replace my sinful life with his perfect life and his perfect death and his perfect resurrection. So when I place my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, in Him alone, what happens is, is I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That happens at the moment that I put my trust in Him. Romans 8 9 says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. So He's not talking about me being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about being filled by the Holy Spirit. So think about it this way. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I've never been drunk, but I do remember back in June, I had a procedure done and they gave me like this little pill, just one little pill in this bottle and never had this pill before. And I remember I took the pill, I was supposed to take the pill, I don't remember, like so many minutes, like 45, maybe an hour before I was supposed to go in for the procedure and I thought, man, what's this little pill going to do? So I popped in this little pill, and in about 15 minutes, I experienced a euphoria I've never experienced before in my entire life. Like, man, I was so relaxed. I wasn't uptight. Before I took that pill, I was a little bit nervous about what I was going into, but man, I took that pill. I mean, Lori could have slapped me in the face, which she's never done, but slapped me in the face, punched me in the chin, and I'd be like, what are you doing? I would have been completely fine. I was completely relaxed in 15 minutes. When I took that little pill, the Johnny Pereira that my wife knew before I took that pill no longer existed for that specific time period for a couple hours. Why do I say that? That even though it doesn't say, don't be drunk on Valium, the same thing applies. When I took that pill, I acted and reacted differently than I normally would. And so when Paul looks at this and says, here's what the will of the Lord is. We are supposed to view our time, making the best use of our time, viewing it as currency, saying, Lord, let me use my time wisely and not as unwise. Let me look carefully how I live my life. How do I first do that? I need to say to myself, am I taking the time to be filled with the Spirit? And so if that's what it says, let me give you a definition for Filled with the Spirit. This is the definition I came up with, and I'm sure there's many ones better than mine, but nevertheless, here's the one, that's the one that I came up with. And I encourage you to write this down. Filled with the Spirit, when my thoughts and motives and actions are being guided by the Holy Spirit in such a way that it contradicts my natural tendencies. You ever experienced that? We were like, Lord, I can't take credit for that. Like I just, I mean we had a testimony time last week to close out Psalm 23 and hearing some of the testimonies of some of the things that you walked with and how you were able to say, I know that wasn't me reacting that way. You know what that was? That was you being filled with the Spirit. That was your thoughts and your motives and your actions being guided by the Holy Spirit in such a way that it contradicts your natural tendencies. That's why Paul uses that illustration. Because just as when you're drunk or whatever you're high on, you act differently than you normally would, so it is when I'm filled with the Spirit. And when I'm being filled with the Spirit, that's an ongoing thing. That's not a one-time decision. That's an ongoing thing in my relationship with the Lord. And when I experience that, what I ought to say is, man, I want to act like that more. Just listen to these verses. Galatians 5.16 says this, walk by the Spirit, same idea, be filled with the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Zechariah 4.6 says this, not by might, not by my power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, there's no way. There's no way. It's impossible for me to walk as wise and know how to invest my time if I am not taking the time to be filled with the Spirit. So how do I make that choice? Nothing new here. I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I need to be daily in God's word. I can't be filled with the spirit without being in his word, why? Because his word is what? His will, daily asking for the Lord. Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit today. I prayed that this morning. Hopefully you prayed that this morning. Lord, I can't go into anything that I'm facing on a daily basis without asking you to fill me with the Spirit. Lord, I'm taking your word. I'm reading it. I'm asking you to fill me with your Spirit. And then I'm being daily obedient to what he says by the power of the Spirit. And listen to me. Here's the other one. Here's the next thing. And when there are times, and there will be, If not daily, when I sin, part of being continually filled with the Spirit is owning it, repenting of it, so that you can walk in your relationship with the Lord. Here's the second question I need to ask myself to determine whether I'm investing my time for God's will and God's glory. Number two, it's found in verse 19. Look at what it says. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with Your heart. Here's the second question: Am I investing the time to be intentional with my praise to the Lord? Remember, you were like, "Man, we were talking about time." I thought you were gonna like give me a guilt trip about volunteering for something. No, no, no. We're talking about remember. If I'm not investing my time personally in my relationship with the Lord and being wise in that, I will not be wise to be able to seize the investment opportunities with the resources that God has given me horizontally. We have to start with me. Am I investing the time to be intentional with my praise to the Lord? And just to let you know, you know what this is speaking of? This is speaking of public praise. Not that private praise isn't important, but this is literally referring to taking the time to be a part of God's public praise or public praise to God, I'm sorry, with your heart. It's taking the time to engage in the public gathering of God's people. That's what it's talking about. And by doing that, you are Being a good steward of your time. You and I cannot be a good steward of our time by avoiding the opportunities to praise the Lord with God's people. Can't happen. Not my opinion. It's what we see in this passage of Scripture. And notice he gives some categories of the praise that we're supposed to give. He says Psalms, right? So the obvious thing would be Psalms. The book of Psalms, right? And they would take Psalms, and obviously, Psalms were put to music, but primarily what that speaks of is just praise, praise music to the Lord in general. That's why we take time out of our service, the first 30 minutes out of our service, to sing to the Lord. It's not how can we fill up an hour and 15 minutes. No, it's vital. I said this before. We don't sing to prepare us for the message. We preach to make better worshipers. It's so important. He says hymns. These are speaking of just songs of praise, which is exalted to God. That's what that's talking about. Then he says spiritual songs. songs of These are songs of personal testimony. But then look at what he says. He says, in making melody to the Lord with your heart. Here's what that literally means. It means this, that your heart is in tune with what you're singing. Back in August, we did a series here called Voice Lessons Teaching Your Heart to Sing. Now, some of you are like, Johnny, I have wanted so bad for my heart to match the tune of my voice, but it has yet to happen. So, your heart can be on pitch, man your heart can have perfect pitch and your voice can be absolutely tone deaf. But hear me on this. To the Lord, it's absolutely beautiful. It's making melody to Him. That's the idea. Am I taking time to say, Lord, I need to gather together with God's people to praise the Lord for who He is? Understanding That the Lord is the source of my praise. Like the reason why I can sing today is because what I am singing, I am seeing as reality in my life. He's the source of my praise. But listen to me, he's not just the source of your praise, he's the object of your praise. He's the source, he's where my praise comes from, but he's also the one that my praise is to. And so understand this, the second question I need to ask myself in order for me to invest my time for God's will and God's glory outside of myself is, first of all, to personally say, am I investing my time to be intentional with my praise to the Lord? Here's the third question, and it's found in verse 20. Let's continue on in this passage. Look at what Paul says. Giving thanks, you need to circle these two words, always and for, here's the other word, everything. Circle always And everything. Now, I want you to think about your life this week or the last month. Don't just gloss over that. Because if you really think about that, your response, if you're really being transparent with God right now, should be say, everything? Really? Surely not that. I hate to tell you, but in the Greek, everything means everything. I wish it didn't. Everything. Just say that. Everything. Giving thanks always and for everything to who? To God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So unless you doubted that verse 20, like Paul made a mistake, like you didn't get what the Holy Spirit was giving in this moment, Listen to what he writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, giving thanks in all circumstances. Just another way to say what? Everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for Susie. Well, yeah, for Susie, but for me too. He says, this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 2.7. Ladies, you looked at this yesterday. It says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught. And then he says, abounding in thanksgiving. So here's the third question I need to ask myself in order to be investing my time for God's will and God's glory. Number three, am I investing the time to be thankful for what the Lord has done? is doing, and will do. Not just for what he has done, but also for what he is doing. Because it says, giving thanks always and for everything. First Thessalonians 5.18, giving thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God. I can't argue with that. Am I investing my time to give thanks to God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do? Listen to me. Listen to this, giving thanks reminds me and it reminds you of who God is and what he has done so that I will trust him for what he will do. When I make the choice that God, I'm going to take my time right now and I'm going to be thankful for what you have done. And Lord, you giving me eyes to see what you are doing. That fuels my faith and my trust to believe in being thankful for what God will do even though I can't see it yet. And that's where investing my time starts. Here's the fourth question and I'm done this morning and it's found in verse 21 where Paul says this, Not just giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the fourth question we need to ask ourselves. Am I investing the time to exercise humility in my relationships with one another? Am I taking the time to do that? To exercise humility in my relationship with others. So when I look at this verse, here's... The truth that I get when I look at it, it's this, that every spirit filled, can I just read you the definition of filled with the spirit again? When my thoughts and motives and actions are being guided by the Holy Spirit in such a way that it contradicts my natural tendencies, right? That's filled with the spirit. So in other words, every spirit filled believer is a humble, submissive believer, Because that's not my natural tendency, is it yours? Am I the only one up here like that? We're all like that. So why do I do it? Do I do it so I can have more friends? Man, he's such a nice guy, or she's such a nice girl to be around. She's so submissive and she does whatever I want. Where do you want to go eat? Wherever you want. What do you want to do? Whatever you want. Is it to make more friends? Is it so I can, you know, chum up with my boss? Is that the motivation? No, what the motivation is, look at it, out of reverence for Christ. That's the motivation to do that. And when I'm doing that, I'm saying, Lord, I'm spirit-filled right now. I can't take credit for this, Lord. It's you but I'm doing it, and I'm submitting myself to you so that I can submit myself in humility to relationships, and I'm doing it not for me, not so I can be seen as something, but for Christ. The believer's continual reverence for God is the basis for his submission to other believers. Listen to me, I've said this before, humility is not a personality. Humility is a posture. Driven by the person of Jesus Christ. Four questions we need to ask ourselves before we ever look outside of ourselves and say, Lord, where do I need to invest my time? in this person or in this opportunity? Or Lord, where do I need to use my talents in this thing or that thing? Or man, this thing is coming down my path. Lord, is that where I'm supposed to invest my talents? Lord, where do I invest my treasure, my money? Is it in this? Is it in that? All of that. Listen, it starts with me asking, wait a minute, where am I investing my time personally? Because if it's not invested in my vertical relationship with God, I will miss the ROI and the investment opportunities horizontally. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I hey man, let's just take time today. Let's take time and let's use those questions and even taking those questions and going into our week this week and our quiet time with the Lord and using those as examination questions of our lives and saying, Lord, you've told me what your will is. It's clearly spelled out in this passage of scripture. God, I wanna be a good steward. Lord, I wanna return on my investment. But Lord, it starts with me.